you've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. We're here to entertain you. We'll sing your songs. Hey there. Are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Welcome to another listener submitted month episode. This week we're talking about the keep from 1983, and boy, do we have a long email here from Josh. So let's dive in. The email says, "Hey guys, I'm a huge fan of the podcast, and I've been listening for quite a while. I'm also a huge horror movie fan, and I've been collecting horror movies since I was a kid. Yes, that includes VHS rarities. I remember posting yeah. up on week. Uh, okay, I remember posting up on weeknights, watching everything from Sci-Fi Channel reruns to MS." T3K and Elvira to catch anything horror related that I could find. I even started getting my six-year-old into having a Friday night horror movie night where we would camp out in the living room and stay up watching horror movies together, but I am careful of the content just to be safe. I recently started going back through all the old episodes, and maybe I just missed where you guys might have covered a specific movie, but if you haven't watched The Keep, I highly recommend this gem. This thing is definitely right up Horror Movie Night's alley. It's got atmosphere, a creepy monster, a castle, throw in some Nazis, a few religious tropes, and a diehard sequel villain, and you have the keep. Don't get me wrong, this movie is something, but I remember catching it on sci-fi one day, and it left a mark for sure. It's like a director thought that they could combine Indiana Jones, Da Vinci Code, Poltergeist, Exorcist, and Ninja 3, the shitty Exorcist <laughs> canon one, and threw it in a blender and got this shit smoothie that just stains your soul. Even though it is definitely a bad movie, it's still a movie that I can't not watch when it's on TV somewhere. If it helps, Scott can get on board because technically it's a period piece from the war. Matt will love the kills from the supernatural monster that resemblance the first on-screen version of X-Men's Apocalypse. And everyone else can just love to hate how the special effects coordinator totally fell on a fog machine and filled the set for the entire movie. Again... I love the podcast, and I love being able to listen to you guys while working. Thanks for everything you do, and I look forward to more episodes, Josh. 
it's crazy rereading that because like i read it when we were going through you know deciding what we were gonna pick for this month and um after watching this i read that the 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 special effects coordinator fucking died died during production pushed them back end of production and therefore i can't laugh at that that Unless he literally fell on a fog machine, yeah. and then maybe. So did he die? So here's the he only died of thing a heart I attack. I was gonna say uh, he didn't die because of negligence. He just happened to. He he die. died. I think yeah. he might have been older. Um, yeah, and people died earlier back in the eighties. Like they were doing coke, and, you know. <laughs> yeah. But so this movie was a lot stupider before I read the book. Um, it's mm. still stupid. I mean, I like this movie. I think that it's visually stunning, but reading the book and seeing where, like, I so I read the book. I mean, listeners may remember I I found a, a hard paper or a hard hardcover copy of it um, at an antiquarian book fair this past spring. Read it, enjoyed it, um, and it makes a lot more sense. So watching it after reading the book, I see so. We all like the three of us talked in chat before recording. Um, this is a 96-minute theatrical cut of this movie. The original mm-hmm. director's cut was 210 minutes. That's three yeah. and a half hours long, which is which wow. is crazy because that's apparently, crazy. like you said, the the director's cut was three and a half hours long, and that's crazy to me because the 90-minute version of the movie feels like it's three and a half hours yeah. to me. No, <laughs> because there's not a whole lot going on. That I mean, like no, and they've cut and a lot of integral the backstory. The author hated this adaptation yes, he did so much so that he then wrote a short story about a writer getting a voodoo doll to inflict pain on a writer director who ruined the source material that's of one of their and stories that's not all also and i want to say 2016 he wrote a screenplay for the movie and had it made into a graphic novel and he said this is what the movie should have been this is my mm. take on the movie because the movie was terrible. And the director... Michael Mann. Michael, Michael Mann, fucking Mann. Yeah. I, I guess that they wanted to do... That people have asked him for a director's cut. They've asked him for at least some of the stuff that's been missing. And he's like, um, you know, I, that stuff's been lost. Because um, apparently... Yeah. So it was, the original director's cut was 210 minutes. And then I think it was cut down to 130 or something like that. I mean, it was okay, cut so down like significantly. Two hour yeah, it was a, um, yeah. And it was, and, and that was the the test audience version. And the test audiences hated it. And Paramount um, made them do a ninety six minute cut. And like Tangerine Dream soundtrack makes no sense because like all the cues are wrong. The sound design is all fucked because. So this was originally supposed to be a a sixteen. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, a sixteen week or a, a thirteen week. It was, thir- it was supposed to be 13 weeks shoot. It was 22 shoot, like, weeks long yeah, with, po- with reshoots. That's some Jaws they, shit right there. Yeah, and they <laughs> and in that time, the fucking special effects um, uh, supervisor died. They The sound never got finished. This was a Christmas release. This was released yeah. the week of Christmas. December 22nd, oh. right? Yeah. God. Like, the, the so many things about this <laughs> are so sad because, like, there are awesome things about this movie that i did no, not no. catch when i first watched it like the set the sets alone are phenomenal yeah. i do yeah. think that molazar looks fucking dumb i do agree that so do you guys want to know what the story of the book was 
I would love to know what the story of anything was because when I watched, <laughs> when I watched, yeah, when I watched this movie, it genuinely felt like, and I'm over exaggerating, obviously, but it felt, I felt two things. First, I felt like ninety percent of the movie was just ambient music and establishing sh- shots. Like in my yep. head, I'm like, yeah, you cut <laughs> a three and a half hour movie down to 90 minutes but these were the 90 minutes like this right. is the part that you're like I well these are the, the ones that they shots. had the most special effects put into that's really what i think yeah. yeah but then the other thing that i wrote down is to quote the simpsons this movie had a real when are we going to get to the fireworks factory energy to it like i just kept waiting and waiting for me to get enticed and i know that i've watched this movie once before i think it was on netflix like years ago yeah i'm pretty as a streaming sure was, option yeah. And I watched it then, and I remember I was like, kind of whatever about it, because this was one of the 101 horror movies you've never heard of, but should probably see from that Fangora book that I have. So I was like, oh, finally I can watch The Keep. And it didn't do anything for me. I was so excited to, like, re-watch it for this. And I, I, like, re-read the Wikipedia page. I reread that page, like the two pages that are in the Fangora book. Like I was like, what am I missing in this movie? And at the end of the day, sometimes just a movie's not for you. But it just so, felt like it was like a modernized Gollum movie, and I don't really like Gollum movies that much either. Like I just couldn't figure out what what it all meant, why so it was so long. Molazar being a Gollum is not what the book is at all. Mm-hmm. I don't mm. think that he is in this either, but I feel like it's fitting a similar vibe of what the like. It's like, oh, this is the like. It felt like it was it's like, Romanian can we do a Gollum Jews, story? But like, this the whole but thing. Modern, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and the crazy thing about this movie is, if you think about it, so this movie turned forty this year. Oh, an anniversary, and the listener submitted. Yeah, wow. yeah, that was that was completely coincidental. We did not think about yeah. that when we were picking, but I was like, eighty-three. Holy shit, it's been forty years. Think about this movie being made 40 years after when it was set. So if we were to make a movie about this movie being made, like a mockumentary Mm. or like a Shadow of the Vampire kind of thing, it would be set in 1983 and be made about a movie that it or made about a movie that is supposed to be 40 like like this was be 80 years ago. Something like that seems so hard. That's that's double production design and that's double set design and that's if double you got the money period shit. and if you got the money honey i suppose but that's exhausting <laughs> well i mean we i'm not saying that we're trying to make this movie i'm just saying that you know thought experiment wise it's like it. equally it's equally long ago that it was made as as the length of time that it was supposed that to be we're... portraying um yeah but so the book which I think was greenlit for the movie within a year of publication. It was crazy. Yeah. I think that it came There's out in 82. There's some of those situations. Or 81 or it was 81 or 82, yeah. I, I think it was 81 so and the movie came out in 83. I yeah. think one of the things that a lot of people forget, and I always, I recently was reminded this from the exploitation doc that dropped on Shudder, but like, even with Jaws, they were starting pre-production on the Jaws movie before the book had hit shelves. That was how confident they were in that book being the hit that it ended up being that they had already like from just hearing the title and seeing a cover and getting a log line we're like yeah we're making that into but a movie but do you like, think the book rights. would have been as popular without the movie i think that that is an answer we'll never know honestly because the book is not good like that's what the, i'm saying is it like yeah. the the book rests on the 
success of the film. Yeah, now we really, can't say the same thing really about early. F. Paul Wilson's The Keep. All right. Yeah. No. 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 It's not. But it's every once in a while there's like these these books that come out that like like for example Eric J. Brown, our friend from the show. I know that he from like the start when he's pitching books now there is always a when they're looking at the books can this be option for something else down the line is like part of the discussion when he presents yeah. five or six yeah. story ideas which one did they see well if this is a hit how well will it translate into blank blank and blank it's multiple Bro, revenue guys. streams yeah hey so i'm so i'm so 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 sorry to interrupt this but did you guys know there was a keep board game yes Ooh. Okay. Uh, it looks it looks looks difficult. Um, <laughs> it looks like sorry takes takes place in a maze. Um, but I just I was doing I was trying to dig. I, I, I didn't know like how early in F. Paul Wilson's career the keep was, which is it was like really early. It's not like book? it's not his Second like book? debut novel, but it's up there, and it's the first in a series of six. No, no, a lot yeah, of those Scott, didn't. You going? There was almost a decade between him mm-hmm. starting that quote unquote series and getting back to it because of the cult following that the keep created. Um, I, I only know this. I didn't read his Wikipedia, so this is a little bit spotty. This is a little secondhand information. But my understanding is the guy that I bought, the the son of the guy that I bought that copy of The Keep From in the spring Mm -hmm. was like a huge F. Paul Wilson fan. And he Mm. was like, oh, this kind of eventually kicked off this whole mini series that he worked on. And it was this guy who went around like solving quasi paranormal um, mysteries. And I'm like, that sounds cool. And I was like trying to extricate myself from the conversation. So, um, <laughs> cause I was like, I don't know if I'm going to want to read the rest. Cause like, no, I don't really like the law, the, the fucking Hardy boys, you know? No, so I wasn't really thinking that no, was going to be stuff my thing. like that. You know, it's like, I don't need a supernatural Sherlock Holmes. I don't need Sherlock Holmes at right. all. I mean, if, uh, so if Sherlock Holmes was actually supernatural instead of a, you know, a Scooby-Doo type thing, like, I'd probably m- yeah. be more inclined to read it. But there's so much supernatural stuff out there that I can read anyway that I'll just stick with that. But so yeah. to, to, to get to the keep of it all, um, so the, the, <laughs> for the, the uninitiated um, listener, the movie revolves around um, uh, this, this uh, Nazi occupation of a Romanian fortress uh the titular keep and it's got these silver crosses cross like um insignias all across you know the batter- batterments or whatever you know you know the walls and stuff and the nazis are like thinking of they're they're like oh, i'm gonna like i want to steal like some of the you know the the privates or whatever are trying to steal uh one of the silver crosses to then sell and you know it's war profiteering right uh they open up they get one out of the wall and it leads to a a deeper cavern that eventually releases this supernatural entity whose name is molasar and molasar in the book is a vampire he is okay an ultimate evil and it makes yes. I mean, and he and it takes him night. It's night after night. He's draining the blood from one or two Nazi soldiers. Now, I'm never gonna cry about a Nazi getting fucking killed. It's fantastic no. to watch. Love it. I uh, in this, he's more of a psychic or energy type vampire, and he sucks the energy or like the soul from their eyes and mouth, and then their heads explode, which is so much more cinematic Whoa. than a vampire. Yeah. So that's why I do not. I mean, it's hard for me to say that I don't like Molasar's 
design in the movie because his final form looks dumb. And I agree that I, it looks I, like I, I liked it in the shadow. I liked it in the shadow, like that first the foggy eye glowing thing. Sort of, yes, that yeah. is well, actually uh, the the in between between the oh, fog ap- when and he's got the, just like the beginning of his and the being. corporeal yes. form. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's almost hell. It's Hellraiser E, right? Yeah, it's sure. like this whole like this sort of like building up this this monster of him because I like those. I like those first kills a lot. Actually, I kind of liked like. When that first cross comes out and the reverse smoke getting pulled back in, and we have this idea of this energy transference happening, um, but it's then very he, yeah, similar I mean, in the book. It's that, that okay. first death, yeah. Lotz's death, is very similar in the book, except that his head doesn't explode. Which I mm. do love that that we get we, that we visual because it. it just looks better than. A, I mean, I'm sick of vampires sucking blood. You know, like it's yeah. But so Molasar really just picks off Nazis one by one over the course of a week, and that's giving him more and more energy so that he can have more of a corporeal form. They did a really good job, in my opinion, of early 80s special effects, like, you know, some effects in post, getting him to look like smoke, because that is actually how he gets around in the book before he has a corporeal form. Um, But then Ian McClellan and his daughter show up because they're supposed to translate the words on the wall because he's like a scholar, blah, blah, blah. Um, That tracks with the book uh what's his name um oh the names i i yeah I know no your names like that was my <laughs> other big struggle trying to follow along on the wikipedia page i'm like all of these names are german oh speaking of i'm drinking another bex baby we got a twofer back to back i i back do not back, like oktoberfest like but i am mm, having an oktoberfest mm. because right. one oktoberfest yep. always happens in september which is fucking weird to me and crazy. second of all it's a german beer and this you know we're watching nazis get killed so i did i did i had a, i had an oktoberfest on deck and then after watching night killer i was like well i'll just get a six pack of bex and I'll cover a couple. <laughs> i was and gonna sucks, go with jaeger but, but i was like well oh. you know no. I, I love jaeger <laughs> actually like as far as Do you really like jaeger oh yeah i'm one of the few it was my yeah you it probably overdosed on it. You overdid it one too many times. And I used to drink days. it out of a dinosaur sippy cup. You know those sippy cups that you get in the um, in the grocery store that yeah. are shaped like a T Rex, and then they have just a straw. Yeah. I would go to every party uh, with a f- one of those full of Jaeger, uh, not mixed, not two, not mixed. Just oh Jaeger. my god! Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. So I have <laughs> I have an aversion to it. Yeah, uh, because your body uh, says no. My body says no. Uh, and that like plastic, I still have those cups and that plastic, like just absor- like, oh just yeah, absorbed. yeah. Can you put some, in college? Can I probably didn't wash it for me? a week. Can, can I have some water in one of those? Oh, I can get, like, I'll a see you a creature feature. No, I'm, it's getting with Jaeger. You're, you only get one if it's filled with Jaeger. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's eight ounces of Jaeger. I'd be dead. Anyway, yeah, we can split it. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's we can like, oh. Sippy cup. That's great Patreon content right there. Um, mm-hmm. Patreon.com backslash HMN podcast. Watch us drink Jaeger out of a dinosaur sippy cup. <laughs> Five bucks a month. <laughs> for you. We do it for you. Yeah, yeah it's definitely not for us. Um, no. Anyway, so, oh, and we have young Gabriel Byrne, um, which is hilarious for Love him it. to be a fucking uh, Sturm buff. Fuhrer, Sturmbund Fuhrer. Um, he like feels a like an trooper. HMN staple. Yeah, Gabriel no, I, 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 he's on the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he has he has to go on the wall. But you know, I I do, I, I don't like that he kills um, Jurgen Pin, Pinchov. What's his name? Um, the 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 other 
the brown shirt, not the black shirt Nazi. Um, he shoots him uh, in the movie. It doesn't or in the book that doesn't work that way. But I do have one big sticking point with the changes between the movie and the book. It's the the fact that so Molasar says to Ian McClellan this token of my power needs to be taken outside of the keep walls so that I can leave. It looks like a flashlight in the movie. It's it in the move in the book. I'm sorry, in the book, it's it's the same shape as those crosses that are in all the walls, and they do something similar in the movie. But the reason that uh, Clagan, who um, is the like the supernatural good, you know, because because in the book, Molasar is this eternal vampire, and Clagan is like his good inverse, and they are just like pawns for ultimate good and evil devil satan kind of thing and they are constant they will forever fight each other and molasar wants to utilize the nazis because there's this whole conversation in the book about the death camps and how he's like he he tells ian mcclellan's character the old man that you know he he cures him and makes him feel young again he was like i'm going to end the death camps but really he's going to go to the death camps and he's going to utilize that human suffering to get more power i feel like a lot of this backstory is lost by the you know the theatrical cuts yeah. but in any case when clagan comes back from being shot um he takes the hilt that ian mcclellan is holding in your background it's yeah. the fucking hilt of a magical sword I don't know why they didn't do that in the movie because having him have this weird staff that shoots light is so much more work. It doesn't make sense for Clagan being an eternal, basically an archangel, you know? Yeah. That that is a real sticking point for me. But it looks looks cool, but it would look so much fucking cooler if it was a sword. You explaining what it is in the book uh, sounds a lot cooler than what is yes what is pictured <laughs> here and what we saw in the movie it doesn't it does it seems like it's supposed to be some sort of relic which we already sort of it did is. when that first cross is looks like silver and not nickel right yeah. like mm-hmm. it's like you know so they go for it and it's like well then if you're gonna do that just do that again just do the silver you know make that silver cross a thing but that obviously there's a much bigger film there's a double the amount of film that exists that they then existed i think it's existed no it's it's, i you know what i i believe i do firmly believe that it will be found somewhere i don't know i don't i mean they found london after midnight apparently and somehow that's coming out i I I I hear them say that all the time and then i never see listen how long did we wait for the kindred that's true (laughs) yeah yeah, well, let's just hope that it doesn't like fall in the hands of Synapse, because uh, then God, we'll never, we'll never see the key. Yeah, keep. our They'll, children will maybe get to see that copy. Maybe, of the keep, maybe, like, and then they'll be like, uh, what "Was it is worth this? the wait?" Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they really stoked. About I mean, it. hey, you know what? If not for the keep, we might not have ever had Miami Vice. So ah, <laughs> uh, very true. No, <laughs> I, it's it's looking at Michael Mann's career is, is pretty fascinating, and it's, to see where this sort of lands lot. in there. It's a lot of a lot more home runs than I think I yeah. give him credit for. Like yeah. Manhunter is phenomenal. It's like, so good. Manhunter is a phenomenal Thief, movie. Thief, which preceded this, is is fantastic. You know this. This he, feels victim. I mean, he is like a, the iconic action '90s mm-hmm. movie, really. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and then he. I love that he Fucking created. Heat. Yeah, he created Miami Vice, and then he also wrote 
directed and produced the 2006 Miami Vice reboot movie. Uh, he has all to have his hand later. in it somewhere. Yeah. Why not? It's Multiple revenue streams, guys. Yeah. yeah. I just, um, I literally thought, oh, for sure he's listed as working on Miami Vice because it's based on a show he created. Not that he decided to jump back into the director's scene, but alas, I was wrong. He felt really strongly emotionally connected to Miami Vice. To Miami fucking Vice. Hell yeah, dude. This was this did I mean this the same way that last week uh on paper there's a lot of stuff about Night Killer that we probably shouldn't have uh it's not that we didn't like, but that would be normally be red flags that we were then like, "Oh my god." This one felt the opposite where it's like on paper I was like, "Damn, okay." Just like Josh said, though, like there's a lot of it that we probably could have liked more than we did. Uh, in the keep, but that that last act, all the atmosphere of it, a lot of the special effects, like I love that. I even liked a lot of the dramatic monologues, but it, they did just feel out of place. The same way that Tangerine Dreams fucking score was just like they what, did why? find the rest of it and they mm-hmm. released it as a compilation in oh really the the, the early two thousands I want to say um, it would be interesting to I mean it's mostly you know, audio cues and it's not really melodic right. like a lot of other Tangerine Dream it's stuff. It's like forty five second like stuff cues. and yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Audio cues. So um I would still be interested to to know a little bit more about I mean maybe just give it one listen through and, and see what well, especially was with cut. your knowledge of the book, I wonder if like it would lead like it would and lead I you don't through think some that the of what synth- the book is. I mean I so Roger Ebert fucking hated this movie, and he ripped it a new asshole when it came out. I mean, when has Roger Ebert yeah. ever liked anything Gene, that we like? Gene Siskel gave it, like, two stars, and his argument was that the soundtrack was, like, wildly out of place. Like, he oh, actually maybe it was referred, Siskel that said that. I think it was Siskel. He said it was the most inaudible movie of the year. Yes, that was because the audio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the audio mix, he goes, yeah, you've got beautiful pictures and a soundtrack, but the music's mixed so loud you can't hear any of the dialogue, which is going to leave you completely confused as to what the hell is Plus happening. Plus, they needed to ADR everything, and they didn't get they didn't get yeah. a chance to. And I mean, there are a lot. This movie is very rough around the edges, but I do think that it's kind of got a cool vibe. Maybe me watching it after the whole wave of um, you know like outrun music in the last mm. decade or so um, gave me a, a stronger appreciation for the kind of just that 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 feeling that it sets you in because it doesn't really fit with uh you'd think you know 1940s nazis getting murdered by a supernatural force you're going to have a a classical soundtrack um with audio cues and things like that but it kind of has its own thing going on and i don't hate it as you're describing the book though what i was left thinking was if this was being produced in 2023 it would have 1000% been pitched as like a six episode miniseries. Like we're going to really flesh this out. It would have absolutely worked because you would have seen backstories and it would have been awesome. You know what I mean? So it's like, maybe we'll get, I think that that's not impossible because there is such a cult following for the keep. People really care about that book. Like I think it'll happen. I thought that they were, I thought that it was in talks. talks I think that it's in pre-production actually. I I remember last year people talking about it. There we go. Or um, even beginning of this year. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. 
Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. We're here to entertain you. We'll sing your songs. Hey there. Are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. We're making an ad. Napping yeah. ads. I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> so um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The <laughs> Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the, That's ad. the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. <laughs> Well, Scott, I would say that since you're uh, the the keep master here, <laughs> uh, maybe you should be the one to kick us off on a double feature. Sure, and I'm going to keep it real short. I'm going to go with The Church because the names are similar, oh. the vibe is similar, and I have not watched The Church in probably 15 years, and I would love to revisit it. I've been kind of saving it for HMN. Um, I don't because it's completely it makes no sense um i think that we could get a really good episode out of it but i also don't remember if there's any essay in it i think Mm -hmm. i've asked this before and i'll ask it again because i never remember the answer is the church the one that's also advertised sometimes as demons three i actually think it is i think it's it's sove right uh who did stage fright i think he did the church yes it is yeah Yeah, i did yes that's correct i'm pretty i'm pretty sure it's very italian the church, the church, it, the mean, church was one of the first. It's like the thing about it that I remember is the last shot. It's just so monumental mm-hmm. in I've every sense of the word. I've never seen it, so I'm, I'm excited I for whenever we get there. I might have to review it before picking it for the show. I don't want to put us it. through it. Why not just um, read the Wikipedia plot synopsis? <laughs> that totally tells us everything we need to know. Yeah, <laughs> It should cover the, the main ick. Uh, I'm going to go with a more modern, modern, more modern than The Keep anyway. I don't know. This gave me a little bit of a Pan's Labyrinth vibe. Sure. I was like, I can watch mm. Pan's Labyrinth with this. Wow. Another one of those humans are more evil than supernatural Just, creatures I, I, type any vibe. Any time that, that fascists get dismembered by a supernatural being, I am there for yeah, it. You're, you're, we're all signed up for that. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Kyle? Dead Snow. Again. There, <laughs> actually, I think that Dead Snow 2 would be a better... I actually think I would agree, I would agree with you. Dead Snow Two would be a lot. Just more because fun. I think um, that they really leaned into it more in that. They way. really totally do not have the same vibe at no. all. But I think that sometimes that's fun. Yeah. Um, you know, we just do con- uh, contextual themes and not um, not vi- not atmospheric themes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, here. Exactly. Well, we're not ready to leave just yet because. You know, our friends are still striking, which means that we're not talking about movies or TV shows. But that still means that everything else is on the table: podcasts, 
books, music, etc. So Scott, we're going to throw it to you. Uh, what is something that you want to promote uh, that people should check out or maybe not check out? So I want to give a shout out to a listener that we cool. met at um, the Punk Rock Flea Market uh, last mm-hmm. month. And he gave Matt and I a copy of his first book. His name is ZK Kroll, K-R-O-L. Um, he was so sweet. Really, really nice guy. He and his wife came up and talked to us for a while. I guess he's been listening to the show for quite a while. And he lives in town. Never met him before. Um, and he was, like, talking about his book. And he said, do you, do you want a copy to read? I was like, hell yeah, I want to read it. He said, well, it's pretty dark. And I was like, I, I can handle it. I can't promise that I'm going to, you know, like the themes. But, you know, I want to list. I want to I want to check it out. And um, and so he gave Matt and I a copy of the book. Matt, have you read it yet? I haven't read it yet, but it's on my pile of things to read. For sure. I blasted through it in an evening. It's 100 pages. Um, and um, there's a lot to like about it. Uh, it is very dark. I thought that it was really competently written for a first outing because I tr- have tried to stay not necessarily up on um, local uh, and and regional um, writers as much as when I get the op- when the opportunity presents itself um, you know if somebody if somebody or somebody's material that is local and in the you know in the the horror genre comes across my my path I want to read it I want to really stress that it was well written I did see some of the second act coming and I was like oh you're gonna do the dumb thing got like the the protagonist I was like you're gonna do the dumb thing aren't you and you're gonna get yourself into a worse situation he does <laughs> I was pretty gobsmacked it with the last scene overall thought that it was very effective there is just one constructive criticism that I have which is that there is an uh, a little throwaway bit of R in it, and um, it does not make the antagonist. It does not fit with the antagonist's mo. It just felt like it was added to make that character more vile. Um, when that character really doesn't see itself as vile it sees itself as doing good that was that's my only critique i would say you know if you were to want to do a second edit of it and just take out that paragraph fucking fantastic book that's that's my that's my two cents i think you can find it on amazon I, i'm pretty sure i saw that it was available on, it's on goodreads i believe that you can what get it, it through barnesandnoble.com disseverment uh d-i-s-s-e-v-e-r M-E-N-T. And uh, his last name is spelled K-R-O-L. I'm going to do something weird once again. And this time, you? my thing that I'm, I know. Well, first of all, the Geekscape podcast. Hey, do you like video games? Check out the Dynamic Resolution podcast, formerly known as Geekscape Games. I don't know shit about games, but I listen to it every week. They're pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> but the thing that I want to promote is just the person robert bacon uh i've been <laughs> i've been best. on a real i've been on a real robert bacon kick as of late i uh he set me when he was on a dating show cholesterol so i uh yeah oh, it could do some damage Sorry. uh i i definitely uh uploaded it to tiktok when he was on the love connection in 2017 um i've been re-listening to all of adam sandler please stop which is just like unbelievably funny and uh, I sent you guys his newest YouTube video for these Phenomenal. these two idiots. It's just him and his wife 
watch random movies and record their in real time commentary while they're watching it. I actually just contacted him recently and was like, hey, if you haven't figured out your October lineup for what you guys are going to do, might I suggest you throw Sleepaway Camp and Teen Wolf into the mix? Because I think you'd have fun with both of them. So hopefully we get to see those uh, in in the next month or so. But yeah, Bacon's just a good dude. I, lo- I, I love the man. He's very funny. and Everything he says is hilarious. It's he's annoying one how of those, funny he is. He's one of those <laughs> people who literally makes me feel like why do i even try because he like everything just is so naturally funny i think i sent you guys the clip of when he was ranting about crackle on on yeah please stop and then he's just like i need to take a break let's go to an ad uh this week's episode is actually sponsored by crackle (laughs) Uh, and kyle send us home what is something you want to talk about promote etc yeah i went to um my wife and I celebrated 10 years. Congrats! Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we went to Nashville for our anniversary. So, um, and and let me just preface, like, we, anytime we take a vacation, it usually has a um, secondary purpose, right? We're taking a vacation to move. We're taking a vacation to, like, see other people and hang out with other friends that aren't necessarily like just a one-on-one vacation. So it was really nice to like spend four days at a location. Neither of us have ever been not over plan and just like, just be right. Yeah. Like, not associated fun. with any other shit that needed. to. No, get you know, it t- turns out we had some friends down there. So like we, you know, we like got to see them and we had other things that we like, we wanted to do, you know, Carly uh, is a big fan of chef Sean Brock and he has three restaurants down there. So like, that was like, we bounced around to those and whatever. Right. It wasn't whatever. It was the best. Um, but the f- one, uh, the thing that I wanted to talk about was they obviously, you know, country music's big down there. Like we went to the Country Music Museum and Hall of Fame, which is fantastic. But just recently, they opened a um, the Museum of African American Music, uh, which is right there in the heart of Nashville on Broadway. They opened in 2021. This year is celebrating 50 years of hip hop, which I should have looked up like what the what what the royal we or the royal they are claiming to be the start of hip-hop i would imagine that it started by white people so i don't know well, if that's actually no like, i i think <laughs> i think the bar that proclaimed they proclaimed by white people yeah i, should I, say, th- I think the barometer i could be wrong on the year released i think it's rapper's delight is what they look at okay as, gotcha. or there was one before that there's a mm-hmm. rap song in 1973 that's considered the first like legitimate rap song and then sure. like a couple years later Sugar Hill Gang with Rapper's Delight yeah. came out and that was like the first like rap song to make it onto popular radio. Yeah, got you. Okay. So I thought I I assumed it was something like that but I was not quite positive and I did not do my due diligence to look it up. But however, this is not just this museum is not just about hip hop. They were setting a- up an event to celebrate 50 years, but we attended the museum 2 hours before that event happened. And like you, we've all been to a museum or some sort of gallery and there's some interactivity to it that we just probably don't partake in. Right. Like we don't like they have all these exhibits and these like listening things and it's a self-guided tour. But like we're not going to buy the head. Like there's a lot of reasons that I go to museum and sometimes it's not to be curated to. Sometimes it's just for me to like go and experience the thing. This museum had probably the best interactive stuff that I have ever seen. Um, and you know, it starts the, the history of African-American music obviously starts 
with a lot of the slave trade and what's brought over and then it moves into gospel and, and then it moves into um, soul and funk and blues and jazz and like it has all these parts and part of the part, each each exhibit each time period had this table which would be like this interactive family tree you'd put on headphones you'd hit the big you know touch table and it would give you this big circle where you could go and listen to an artist listen to three songs by that artist and see uh, a graph or like a pie chart there that artist's influencer influences that artist's peers and then the artist that that particular artist influenced and you could sit there and stand there which we did carly and i did for minutes you could probably even be there for an hour but we only had two hours before the museum closed (laughs) and just go through this chart connecting influences of people like for me i i got i always came back to funk and jazz and like sun Ra would influence this or like george clinton and parliament funkadelic would influence this or then like at the very end when we were talking pop and rap and hip-hop combining like i would start with en vogue and then i would go back 10 years or then forward 10 years it was it was just like i don't know i realized that i was like oh i don't do this at museums because a lot of museums don't get it right or they don't get they don't make it fun like it seems like an extra thing i just really really loved that particular museum it was full of information i could have spent many more hours there um and we loved it carly and i both loved it it was it was um it was great we we (laughs) we it was awesome it was a great vacation um and a great anniversary trip and that was a highlight for sure uh just so if you're ever in nashville go to it nice uh just to very quickly uh you know we can be educational sometimes <laughs> uh we can be wikipedia educational anyway uh it looks like um <clears throat> on august 11th 1973 is where they kind of just define that's this- the, yeah we went on august 10th we there went we, we were there, right on, there. August 10th, so. on, on august 11 1973 dj cool herc was the dj yeah. at his sister's back to school party he was he discovered that he was able to extend the beat of a record by having two record players and isolating the percussion breaks by using a mixer and a switchboard to bounce between them to keep the beat going then he from that point on he began experimenting with making music using just the record player in what is now known as breaking or scratching so very that cool. is that is God, historically cool. the start of hip hop. Um, Got you. There NPR is, has been doing a Tiny Desk series uh, about um, prominent hip hop artists, which has been very fun too. Just to throw another thing out there, the Cypress Hill one was great. Yes, um, <laughs> I, I can't remember the name of it, but there was a very good uh, two part mini series at one point on Netflix that was about the history of early hip hop in the seventies as well. Uh, but that was 1983's The Keep. Uh, as picked by our listener Josh, we have one more listener submitted pick left what? to go. Uh, I don't want to leave. <laughs> I mean, listen, we're gonna we're gonna get through this, and then it's hack to the way that we normally do things <laughs> around here. So stay tuned for next week's <laughs> listener submitted pick. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. 
They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. We're here to entertain you. We'll sing your songs. Hey there. Are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 